Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 96 of the Guardian Project Podcast. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm the guy making sure the halftime shows at the Strixhaven Stadium go off without a hitch. Nice. Nice. What 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 is on for the first halftime show? Like, is it going to be a marching band? Yes, because the marching band is the reason you go to a football game anyway. So I assume whatever game they're playing... They're there for the band. I have for s- the thunder the thunder conductor. <laughs> Actually that is that is that would be pretty exciting. I wonder if I every know. I wonder if every school has their own team. I think they they must, right? Uh yeah. Oh yeah. That, no, they they definitely do. The whole point of the game I, I remember was that they have to collect the mascot and take it back. I believe that's the actual game that they created. Oh, so nice. I'm making sure the halftime shows are enjoyable. Awesome. And uh, I'm Mike, and um, my opponents in Commander are like a bus in that they take me to school. Uh, I didn't know what the Strixhaven equivalent was for a bus. Otherwise, I would have tried to tie it to Strixhaven. Would that be like a griffin or something? I I don't know how you get to Strixhaven. (laughs) Um, Can you tell me how to get... To Strixhaven School. <laughs> Please listen carefully. Um, <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. So, Coil, we both had streams last week. How did your games go with CNC Power Hour? Yeah, so I got to play two games with CNC Power Hour. Um, our first game took like over two hours to finish. Uh, and I ended up, <laughs> I ended up winning with my Saltai All Stars deck, which was really cool. Um, and then the second game, we decided to play a quick one, which I think still lasted like an hour and a half. Um, and I lost to Clayby's deck. Um, okay. So yeah, no, it was a ton of fun. Um, I know uh, Benny was on there uh, with me, guesting on the CNC Power Hour. So it was a ton of fun. We talked about uh, going back and doing um, some plane chase or something. Apparently, they have plane chase built into mm. their system. They they gave me kind of a That's tour fun. a tour of their system that they use to stream. It's super intuitive and super cool. And I got to nerd out with them, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but you streamed yeah. too, Andy. I did. I streamed with Moderately Anonymous MTG. So we played some CEDH on Saturday. And in three and a half hours, we played six games of Commander. <laughs> um, they were all... The, the first few were real fast. The, 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 by the time we finished the fifth game, we were like, well, I guess it's only going to take another 20 minutes. So, you know, are we all in for one more? And then that last game took a long time. Oh. Um, but I won two of the six. I won with Malcolm and Vile Smasher twice. I won with... Um, Demonic Consultation on one, and I won with Tainted Pact on the other with Thassa's Oracle. Very nice. Um, but the stack was crazy on the last game. I had to remove two Collector Oafs, fight through counter spells, bounce my own Dockside Extortionist, mm-hmm. and Underworld Breach with deflecting swats and stuff in the graveyard to get there. But I did it, and my brain hurt. Nice. My brain hurt. And the only other update that we have from this past week is the April update from the Commander Rules Committee. Um, As of right now, there's no changes, but they did say they have their eyes on some cards um, that they're watching, but they want to wait until we have more in-person play to get a sense for how they would impact the format. They said, while webcams have been amazing for getting through this pandemic, the online environment isn't the same as traditional paper play. As it looks like things will start to reopen over the coming months, it makes sense to wait um, and and see how it is, see how it is then. So, you know, there's a lot of discussion online. I see things going back and forth on Twitter about Thassa's Oracle. I see things going back and forth about Hull Breacher and Hull Breacher not even just from the competitive side, just being kind of a nuisance um, with both more competitive and uh, less competitive groups. And I can see it, you know, we all kind of knew it was there. So I'm curious to see what happens uh, down the road there. Yeah. Um, But we have a big topic this week. So uh, Coyle, why don't you tell us what we're chatting about? Yeah. Um, So if you are in the magic community, which you are, you're listening to our podcast, you might've known that uh, we've been, given spoilers for our next set of Strixhaven, uh, both of the um, the standard set and the commander set, all five commander decks. Um, so this week, we're actually going to talk about some of our 
uh, I'll call it favorite cards uh, from the Strixhaven standard deck. Um, some of them maybe we picked because we think they're going to be very impactful. Um, and some of them we picked because we've got decks that we're going to slot them in. Uh, and so we are going to talk about um, kind of our top 12 uh, cards from the Strixhaven standard set. Yes, and before we do that, um, we want to remind you that we do have a Patreon, and we appreciate everybody who supports us. If you would like to support us, you can head to patreon.com slash guardianprojectpod and donate for any dollar amount. Um, we've got a lot of cool uh, rewards in there. We've got some tokens. We're working on getting playmats, having a deck featured on the show, or even joining us. So if that interests you, please check it out. Yeah. And if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, whatever you are listening to the podcast on currently, uh, or maybe if you're watching us on YouTube, you could follow us, you could subscribe, you could rate, um, leave a comment. We love interacting with uh, our viewers on our YouTube videos and everything. Um, If you're on YouTube, you can also hit that bell icon to see when we post new content. Uh, We always appreciate uh, any any reviews, any uh, comments that you want to talk about, tell us how we misplay in our gameplay videos on YouTube. We do, in fact, do that often. And sometimes we find it ourselves. Nine months down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Coyle, I'm excited to get to this list. Uh, I think it's time that we hit the books. So we each picked our top six cards. Now, listen, it's harder than you think to just pick six. But, you know, we said, okay, we can't have a, you know, a three hour show. So we pick six cards each and we're going to start with, you know, number 12, work our way up to our favorites. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with a rock, but a rock that's a whole bunch of rocks to to make it, I guess. Um, (laughs) Strixhaven Stadium. I assume takes many rocks to build that stadium, (laughs) but it's a rock. (laughs) So it's an artifact for three mana that says tap to add one colorless to your mana pool and then put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. Uh, Whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, remove a point counter from Strixhaven Stadium. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. Then if it has 10 or more point counters on it, remove all of them. And that player loses the game. So I'm a big fan of Mana Rocks anyway. And this is just a Mana Rock that has a whole lot more going on. So for these token decks, I don't see how this is, doesn't just become a real good alternate win con for decks that are swinging with a bunch of tokens. And being known as, well, I guess the old token guy, and I don't mean old as in I, I am old. I guess I used to be, I guess, previously the token guy. I feel like now I'm the combo guy. I'm not sure, but I feel like this is a card that I would have played in every single one of my token decks. What do you think? Um, I think so too. Um, I mean, it it only costs three mana. It's colorless. You can get it down uh, early enough. It's not going to impede you anyway. And it's not a win more card. So it's a win condition. So why, why not? So I feel like, so last week I was talking, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, um, you've probably seen that I killed a bunch of my decks and my brand was responding to Andy Zepke from the Scrap Trawlers with, this would be really cool in my insert deck if I still had it. And so this was one of those cards uh, that I would have played in my Hepatra Vizier of Poisons deck. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you've seen that deck often. You have just axe oops. I, I was just playing the game and I have six or seven snakes. Oh yeah. I mean, you could you could easily get ten point counters on this. But additionally, uh Hepatra plays proliferate. So mm-hmm. you can just put more point counters on the stadium. Now, until the official rules come out, um on these cards, it does say then if it has ten or more point counters on it, remove them and that player loses the game. Is it is it is it only players that had contributed to the points is it the one who contributed the most points do you get to pick some i assume it's going to be remove them and a a player you choose loses the game well a a player that you dealt damage to this turn probably i would assume um because it says that that player so i assume it can be anyone but they had to have at least contributed one point counter that that turn i'm not sure so the ruling is not out yet so um 
you know, we're a little we're a little bit ahead here on this, but I love this card. Um, the other deck that I do still have together is the Locust God. Mm-hmm. And do I dare on this? I mean, oops, 18 locusts in a single turn happens all the time. Sure. You could, you could, I wonder if you can take out, I think you can still only take out one person because it says if it has 10 or more, right? right? So it can't be like 10 or, or, or 20 for two. Um, it's just 10. But I think swinging, you know, 10 locusts at one person and maybe one at someone else to take out the one you need to get out of the game. Right. That's a valid strategy in the Locust God. Yeah, I guess um, if you look at this compared to other uh, of your token-wide strategies, if your tokens themselves are evasive, like Locust God, this card is really nuts. But you have to compare it, I guess, to like, um, what's the three-mana green enchantment? Whenever you swing with a creature, you get to put a a counter on it. Druid's Repository. Not Druid's Repository. Not the mana one. Uh, the one that will give plus five, plus five, has five or more oh, counters um, on it. Oh, is that... Uh, Beastmaster's uh, Ascension. Beastmaster's Ascension. So comparing it to Beastmaster's Ascension, you know, it gives plus five, plus five, and I think Beastmaster's Ascension also grants Trample. Maybe it doesn't. I'm going to look up Beastmaster's Ascension real quick. I was actually... I was already... I was ahead <laughs> of you here. So it says, whenever a creature you control attacks, you may put a quest counter on it. As long as it has seven or more, they just get plus five, plus five. I We say okay. just get, but they get plus five, plus five. Sure. Okay, no so that so that here. doesn't give evasion either. So yeah, this might be uh, the best three drop win condition then for a token go wide. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I like it a lot. I plan on testing this out in the Locust Guide, but I also I used to run um, the Amera Soul of the Accord, the new the new Amera um, mm-hmm. or the newest from Guilds of Ravnica, and um, just making those those. I think does she make soldiers or he, I think she makes soldiers. Um, I mean, even just just with the couple here or there, um, and seeing seeing as a lot of our play group is is not focused on um, dealing a lot of a little like what am I? Saying? I'm not getting swung up by 15 creatures often. I'm getting swung up by one 10 10 sure. and not 10 one ones. Sure. So even if I'm swinging at you with six creatures and you swing back at me with one, I'm still going to get there with 10 points next turn. Right. So I think this is a really cool card. I'm looking forward to it, and I plan on... And if nothing else, it's still a rock. You're paying three to give yourself a rock. Yeah. So the point counters is just added benefit, and if someone wants to remove that versus removing one of your other rocks that can actually give you colored mana because of this reason... I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, you, it's it's wonderful, and you can even yeah. you know trade it from your graveyard later on too. So exactly, yeah. exactly. No, super strong. Love that it's an artifact and not like a land or something. So yeah, it's not a land that just or or just a, a random enchantment that sits there because right. you know there's there's cards like um, Simic Ascendancy, right? So it's a win con, and you can like put counters on your creatures, but it, it's not a rock and and. You know, I feel this is easier to accomplish than Simic Ascendancy, personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're both all alternate win cons. I think they feel the same purpose in certain decks. Sure. But I would I would play. I'm going to play this. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. I'll report back. You will all hear more about this from me as soon as I get my hands on one. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Just give it a little bit of time. <laughs> all right. So uh, my first card, I guess, quote unquote, last place on my list Uh Last place on my list is going to be one of my new decks that I build from this uh, set. You're actually going to make this. I'm going, to, okay. I'm going to build this. I'm going to try to do it with the build restriction too, but we'll see how it goes. So this is uh, Killian, Ink Duelist. So this is an uncommon legendary creature from the set. So uh, white and a black, you get a 2-2 human warlock with lifelink and menace that says spells you cast that target a creature cost two generic less to cast. Um, so that would be for like your enchantment auras as well as any instants or sorceries that would target it. Um, it does not say activated abilities that target. So this wouldn't work with like your equip costs for your equipment. Um, but being a black, white legendary creature with two CMC, you do have the ability or the option to build this with a Loris companion, um, build, build restriction, uh, it it is a little bit of a nombo because of the two mana enchantment auras that you can play. You're not getting them 
uh, cost reduced by two with your commander since they usually cost one color and then maybe a color less or even two colors you might not get any reduction um, but all those instants and sorceries you're still going to get the reduction on and it might be worth it to get a free loris and, and build around that uh, build restriction so i thought it'd be fun to at least uh, brew around it but i do plan on making killian into a deck one way or another yeah, so Luris of the Dream Den, if you're not familiar, it's a it's a 3-2 cat nightmare with, with lifelink for uh, one and then a split uh, white, black, white, black. But it says each permanent in your starting deck has a converted mana cost of two or less. So that's the restriction here that we're building around. But it also says during each of your turns, you can cast a permanent spell from your graveyard with CMC two or less. So is this... I think you said this is the second, and I think I think that's right. The second commander you can actually do this with now. That's right. It's Eilie, uh, uh, the Eternal Pilgrim. Yeah, Eilie, Eternal Pilgrim was the other one. I thought for uh, a little while that uh, two of the um, uh, familiar commanders, Falthus and the Horse. I thought both of them were two CMC, but then I remembered Falthus was three CMC, so I thought this was the third for a second, but it's not. It's actually the second. Uh, legal commander for a Luris build condition. Now, do you think it's going to have implications on reducing your or or putting that restriction on on having such small spells? Like they have to be able to do a lot. Well, do you have have it, you started working on this list yet? So I haven't started working on the list yet, but it is important that Luris is only restricting your permanents uh, with that converted That's mana true. cost. That is true. Each permanent card. So it'll probably be more focused as a spell slinger deck or like a. Um, combat trick type of deck maybe using some of those uh black and white instant speed things uh i mean killian having evasion with menace and then already having built in lifelink um some of those black instant spells that were gonna cost me life in order to pump up killian um the one that's coming to mind is hatred i know that's a reserve list card and it's expensive but um in order to pay five mana at instant speed you then can pay any amount of life and target creature gets plus x plus zero until end of turn where x is the amount of life that you paid um killian can one shot someone by paying 19 life and then gain you all the life back that you just spent uh so yeah cards like that if hatred only costs three mana that means on turn three i could be killing someone with killian i'm really excited to do something like that gross that's cool (laughs) i also like the ability because it says spells that you you cast that target a creature cost two less it that significant reduction if you're looking at a spell that costs i don't know four mana like three three and a black i mean those spells cost four for a reason and and if they cost two um they might be you know i have i have done zero research into killian it wasn't Mm -hmm. a card that had stuck you know it didn't stick out to me that much um thinking about it more now i think the card could do a lot i'm interested to see what spells you put in or or if you're going to rely heavily on hoping for that cost reduction because i wonder if killian will be a commander that people expect to remove a couple times well it is it is important to know i know i talked a lot about creature auras and instant sorceries to pump but it doesn't just say creatures you control so it's also going to reduce the cost of your removal your spot removal spell so you could you could run it as or orzhov control or i guess i shouldn't call it orzhov (laughs) but um yes silver silver quill control control. Um, no, I, I think, um, no, that's what I was going for was the four CMC destroy target creature yeah. with that being like, with, with your Vraska's contempt a, for two mana is finally worth it. Vraska's contempt for, so black, black, or even having something that costs three, you know, like I said, three colors and a black. I, 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 I imagine there's a lot of spells out there that will probably be really nice to have when they only cost two mana and not four. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Killian Ink Duelist. The artwork's great too. Very much so. Really, really like it. And this I is like the, it a lot. This is the son of the Dean of Silver Quill, Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. Well, my next card, switching gears to a a different college. We're gonna look at something that is from Witherbloom right now. I am going to be talking about Culling Ritual. So this is a sorcery for two, a black and a green that says destroy. Each non-land permanent with mana value two or less, add black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. Um, so I like this a lot because the the powers that be, and there's just discussions online and the, the constant discussion about optimization, 
um, for for advocating for two CMC or less rocks or what have you, mm-hmm. um, and and creature like mana dorks uh, has really I and I've seen it. I mean, and I've done it myself. I think calling ritual is going to be one of those those cards that if you can get it out soon, it'll be great. If you do it later, you're destroying a lot of low CMC rocks, mm-hmm. and this is this is both regular and competitive i think because in competitive i mean people are just dropping zeros and one cmc artifacts on the first like two three turns Mm -hmm. if you're like i'm just gonna get rid of all of them it's like oh okay interesting but you get to add all that mana i mean you could have one big turn right you could turn you could play it and i don't know get five or six mana i i imagine that by the time you play this it might not be as valuable in a um just a regular kitchen table game sure but if if you're playing with folks that optimize a little right like mm-hmm. you and i optimize a good amount this i think this card's pretty powerful well and and uh you know on the other side of the coin uh you and i were talking a little bit using i, I i'm planning on using a card like this to, to my own personal advantage by killing all of my own creatures um, using it in a tokens deck to fuel a giant torment of hailfire or something like that um but you know it, it has the converted mana cost two or less thing. So if you have a commander that's CMC three or higher that takes advantage of death triggers, um, you're, yeah, you're going to net yourself a bunch of mana on top of a nice little nice little self-board wipe that you're going to do yourself anyways. Exactly. And I, I noticed you did, and I've had to, I have to keep looking at the card as I say it, but mana value. Mana value. Is so difficult to say. I'm so used to saying converted mana cost. Uh, I, S- I, Scryfall still sorts by CMC, I just want to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, Scryfall. What are you doing? We got nah, to go, We got to give him time. We got to give him time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my, my, uh, my number five is Calling Ritual. Yeah. That's that's and I'm and I'm sticking with it. I like it a lot. Um, it's not. I don't think it's going to be that expensive, and it's a it's a decent a decent way to remove um, a bunch of low low CMC cards from from the field that might be clogging up the field. You know, token decks get wrecked. Oh, actually, I'm just thinking Marin. The card's bonkers. You kill all your own little tiny guys and bring one back or something. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> My number five uh, is a little bit different. Uh, I don't normally build around this kind of mechanic, but I really, really like this card, and I have a deck that it goes in. So this is Accomplished Alchemist. For three and a green, you get a 2-5 Elf Druid that taps to add one mana of any color, or it can tap to add X mana of any one color, where X is the amount of life that you gained this turn. So um, there's this card called Beacon of Immortality, <laughs> not it, it, it's just a very minor card you know um it what it does is an instant speed uh white spell for five and a white and i'm just double checking that converted mana cost that doubles your life total yep. it, yeah d- d- double target player's life total and then you shuffle it back into its owner's library so with accomplished alchemist out you know you go and you cast that the next turn and then accomplish alchemist taps for 40 and then you cast um, Heliod's intervention for X equals 38 to gain 76 more life after that. And then you pass the turn. You never have to worry about your life total for the rest of the game. And that's what like I'm planning you, to do. I like that you think you're going to be at 40 when you cast a 6 CMC white spell. After my 4 CMC 2-5 blocker. <laughs> you will not have lost a single life guaranteeing that you get <laughs> so you get 40 <laughs> so my green white uh arden and kodama land aura's deck is a life gains matter deck so hopefully i have other life gains uh cards in there to actually make my life total not like 10 when i cast a beacon of immortality which seems that's when i top deck the card right it's always late in the game when it like would gain you as much life as a read the bones which actually loses you life um no so yeah i i always top deck it late but it would be nice to get it early and i think accomplish alchemist uh, being able to you know go into those um 
there might be CEDH implications, but it's a really big board state that you have to build with the pristine talisman that gains you life and uh, dramatic reversal under a isochron scepter. But I don't think it's really worth it. Um, to so you're you're guaranteed being in blue there then. Yeah, blue and green. I mean, you're playing CEDH. You might as well play blue and green. <laughs> Who knows? I just, um, I've never played a life gain strategy deck. I don't, like, other than Veto, which right. is really life gain to drain specifically. Right. And it wasn't just, I would like to gain two life incrementally. You know, I Aloro is a life gain deck, but this is green. Obviously, it can't go in an Esper deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something I haven't explored. I, I know you used to have a Tristani deck. I'm sure Tristani decks will play Accomplished Alchemist. That seems great for that deck. For sure. It seems really cool. No, I like this choice um, for anybody that is looking for something new for their life gain strategies. So my number four is Strict Proctor. So this is a Spirit Cleric, a 1-3 for one and a white. It has flying, and whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays two generic mana. So... I I really like this. I believe this is the first card that actually cuts off landfall. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I think does Torpor Orb not hit lands? Um, Torpor Orb. Let's let's see. I'm I'm not actually. I it says stops a oh, creatures. creatures. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So so Strict Proctor kind of shuts off landfall, and I think it's a it's just um, uh, a mechanic that is seen in, uh, incrementally, uh, or I guess just incidental. Yeah, you didn't even plan for it. It just works okay, sure. when it's there. You know, you don't have to build a landfall deck, and you're like, oh, it's okay to have one or two landfall cards oh, in my deck. Because for sure. Every deck plays with lands. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to have them. But I really like this card because you can abuse negative enter the battlefield effects, which is really the reason I like it a lot. So, you know, Phyrexian Dreadnought coming in, you you don't have to sacrifice uh, power 12 or more. Or Lotus Field coming in, you don't have to sacrifice lands when it comes in. Or, you know, the Theros Titans from... Uh, Theros Beyond Death. Now, I mean, that's kind of more of a standard implication there, but you don't have to, they just they just come in and you yeah. don't have to deal with the rest of it. But I think more importantly, Landfall is seen so often. And I think that um, a lot of people play around with ETBs. So I was trying to think of the things that weren't just creature ETBs, but this just affects creature ETBs as well. And they're everywhere. Right. Every game I play has at least... One creature, when it enters, you do something. For sure. I would love to just tax somebody for two to not get out of hand. Yeah, I guess the only way this this could be, like if this had flash, it would be super, super crazy. But it's got it's a 1-3. It's got a pretty good butt. It's, it's flying. And I love, you know, normally you would say like a hate bear that was, it's not a bear. It's actually, it's got a little different stats. But uh, a hate bear that is uh, global rather than just your opponents, you might think as like a, a less worse hate bear, but you're right. Taking advantage of being able to not have the negative effects is so cool. Um, yeah. And even in, in CDH, this actually shuts down a lot of stuff like Mox diamonds and Chrome Mox and that kind of stuff uh, that require their enter the battlefield effects in order to tap for mana. So I think strict proctor is probably going to be one of the more useful cards that I play. Now, the other thing to mention is this feels very Dranith Magistrate-y um, in that it kind of really hoses, it, in many cases, like one particular person's strategy. Like it might it might affect one person more than the rest, and that's always a feel bad, especially if they rely on their commander or they're relying on enter, enter the battlefield abilities. That's the only uh, grain of salt that I have with it is that I do completely understand that Strict Proctor could cause some feel bads. Yeah. Um, not as bad as Dranith Magistrate because you don't completely cut it off. They have to just pay more. Right. But having that one person who's really only affected by it have their spells cost two extra to do anything feels feels kind of dirty. Right. But, you know, Strict Proctor doesn't have Hexproof. Uh, it does have flying, so there's a little bit of evasion there, but it doesn't have Hexproof. 
yes, you're going to have to spend mana to remove this if you're the ETB player. I, I yep. I, I think of this as less of a problem than Hall Breacher. And honestly, when Hall Breacher came out, I thought Hall Breacher was going to be a huge problem. And seeing it being played in casual games, it's like all you have to do is change your strategy to go, I have to remove Hall Breacher before I can cast my brainstorm now or something like that. Like it's just it just changes your strategy. I don't think this especially since this doesn't completely shut anything down. You could just pay the extra two mana. This is exactly. a super fair you can card. Still, you can still pay, and I like what it does to, you know, a Yaruk deck with a Ravenous Chupacabra. You you gotta pay four now. Or you gotta pay six, not four. This was Oops, a that- beautifully created card. I give props I to whoever made this card. So many props. <laughs> Okay. All right. What do you have next? I give so many props to whoever made this next card. <laughs> so so uh, my next card is one that a lot of people probably think is a meme. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool. I haven't brewed the deck yet, but um, this is Dragon's Approach. This is the sorcery where you can play any number of them in your deck. So for Tuna Red. Sorcery says Dragon's Approach deals three damage to each opponent. You may exile Dragon's Approach and four cards named Dragon's Approach from your graveyard. If you do, search your library for a dragon creature card, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. So the fact that you can play any number of these in your deck is going to make cards like uh, Thrumming Stone uh, really, really good, which if you don't have a copy of Thrumming Stone, I'm sorry, um, because yeah, this card... One- this went card, up again. Yeah, it went up to almost $100 because of this card's release. But um, it's it's interesting because every other time you've seen a card that says you can play any number of them in your deck, it's always been a creature. And now we finally mm-hmm. saw it on a sorcery. Um, right, I like it. It's, it's so interesting, and I don't know uh, what the best strategy is for it. And it's got this, like, e- even just a three-mana sorcery that deals three damage to everybody... And you could play any number of them, I think would have been enough for this card. But the fact that you could fetch a dragon for free when you cast your fifth one, basically, um, is really, really interesting. And I don't know what deck. This is the one part of this card that's making it so difficult to build the deck in. I don't know what dragon I care about in a Spellslinger deck. I really don't. So a Mizzix of the Ismag, this deck. So it becomes real cheap eventually. And then I don't know, just big dragons. It would have to be. It would have to be dragons only in uh, red, blue. In red, then. blue. So Niv Mizzet is probably the best one for I a spellslinger. Uh, all three Nivs are totally fine. Yeah, you just can't play the I other like one. I like them a lot. Can't Why? play the fourth Niv because he's five colors. Correct. You can't. You can't play fine. <laughs> you can't play Niv the final form. <laughs> is um, it the final form? Then. Who knows? It's five color. Next, it'll be colorless when they take the they suck the guilds Ooh, right out. That would be and, super cool, actually. And then it's a colorless Niv Mizzet that just it's just can, Ugin. It's just Ugin. You find out Ugin's <laughs> in a time loop, and it's actually Niv Mizzet turning into Ugin eventually. <laughs> Whoa! So I also have to say, so Dragon's Approach. If you have not pre-ordered or you are going to be opening this, don't get them yet because right now. The cheapest you can find this is for $3.24. Yes, this is a common. This is a common it's in this a, set. Well, you know, let's let's take a peek at, you know, the, the price of um, Persistent Petitioners right now, which that came out a couple years ago now, but that card to buy the, the lowest price is $1.35. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Um, this is also a common so, you know, presumably if you're opening up the set, you'll probably open a few. So that that's cool. But so is Persistent Petitioners. I opened a good amount of Ravnica Allegiance, I think two or three boxes, and I own three Persistent Petitioners. Oh, I so own... Three, three total. I own five, and I only opened the uh, that special Allegiance box with the Planeswalker cards. No, oh, well, you had a good box. It was a good box. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, some of these cards are just, they're hard to come across. And, but right now it's the new hotness. So just wait because we've seen this before with Rat Colony, Persistent Petitioners. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And now Dragon's Approach. Yes. So we will, uh, um, so, so you are going to, pl- or, so that was a Niv Mizzet, or 
Mizix. That was that because was yeah. So you suggested you suggested so Mizix. I, the only the only one that I could think of, and honestly, it's not it's not the dragon I was looking at. Um, would just be to play the mono red at uh, Neheb, because you would be getting just oh, by casting extra mana. Yeah, by casting one dragon's approach, you get nine mana in your second main phase without even swinging with Neheb, which allows you to cast three more dragons' approaches. So it seems like that's like the easy thing to do, but then you're limited. So this is the problem. You're limited on only red dragons. Then I don't know if I want to only be limited on red dragons. That's, that's my problem right now. And that's why this deck isn't brewed yet, but it's so intriguing to me that it's on a sorcery. I love it. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. Uh, my next card here is um, very reminiscent of a card that is seen a lot, which is Rogue's Passage, but I'm talking about Access Tunnel. So this is a land, taps for a colorless, but has pay three, tap it, target creature with power three or less cannot be blocked this turn. So there's a lot of creatures in Magic that can do things when, you know, they deal damage to somebody. And they don't just have to be some, some giant creature. Um, but specifically, the reason I like Access Tunnel so much is because I play a Lazav the Multifarious deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lazav, uh, just the, or at least the way that I built it, I just really need to get through so that I can deal combat or commander damage. So Lazav's a 1 3. So if it's still Lazav and I haven't turned it into something else, I can. This gives me another version of Rogue's Passage specifically for a Lazav deck. So I can pay 3, give it unblockable, and then turn it into whatever I want as soon as it's already been granted that ability and uh, go to town. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think there's, I think there's very wide implications here. People don't think about creatures. Like when people think about creatures that you want to do in unblockable, everyone always thinks about that dream scenario where they have a 40 power creature to finally take someone out completely. Exactly. Once. But I look at, I'm looking in front of me right now and I see Samut the tested as a three, four, it's a three, four with double strike. And if I can get that unblocked, then cast, five pump spells you know and it's already unblockable yeah this card's sweet this card and and it's at uncommon so it's not going to be expensive or hard to find so that's super i think i think even even you know very very popular commanders um yuriko the tiger shadow it's a one three you just need to get through um alayla is is a two three um Yarak is a is a three five. Just looking at some of the more popular commanders, even Feather the Redeemed is a three four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know these these commanders that that a lot of them are known to to get in for combat damage. Right, Alila Alila does swing. Yuriko swings. Feather has to swing. Um, I think a lot of these uh, commanders are 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 probably going to benefit from access tunnel. Yeah, actually so, um thinking about it a little bit further, uh Doran the Siege Tank actually really wants this card. The Siege Tower, the Siege, siege Tower. Tank. We, yeah, should we call tank. it the Siege Tank He's now? a Siege Tank. <laughs> he's a Siege Tank. Uh, n- n- I mean, bl- Najila the Blade Blossom <laughs> is a 3-2. Najila is is very very good. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, so I think I think Access Tunnel is a is a card that a lot of commanders are going to use. And personally, I would rather pay three to make it so that a creature with power three or less can't be blocked. And it might I like I talk about redundancy, so I would certainly add this, but in some cases, if you don't really care and you just needed to give something unblockable and you know the power of the creature is always going to be under three, you could just replace your rogue's passage as well. For if sure. You're not, you know, if you're uncomfortable adding another colorless mana, depending on how many colors your commander deck is. Right. No, that's a that's a really good point. And I guess another good point, um, also along with rogue's passage, it does say target creature, not target creature you control. So you could also use it for um, some political stuff and, and have one of your opponent's creatures become unblockable as well. Yeah. So yeah. very cool stuff there. All right. My next card. Um, I don't know if this card's broken or not, but I really like it. And this is Auric Lore Mage. So uh, I think this is the first black card that I'm I'm talking about today. Oh, no, Killian was black too. Okay. Auric Lore Mage is two, <laughs> two black, black human warlock uh, that has three power, three toughness, that has an ability that you tap it and search your library for a card, put it into your graveyard, and then shuffle. If it's an instant or sorcery card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Auric Lore Mage. Uh, so this is a repeatable in tomb on a creature that has decent statistics as a three, three only costs four mana. 
Um, probably not going to be playing in a deck where it has haste to turn it comes out, but on the next turn, yeah, I can start entombing. If I have an umbral mantle, maybe I can entomb my whole deck or something crazy like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, having entomb on a creature just seemed really, really uh, useful to me. Kind of reminds me of um, like the Magus uh, a series of creatures where it's like creatures that have the abilities of some of these really big cards like Wheel of Fortune and, and Yagmas will, but you have to wait for their summoning sickness to, to go down and stuff. So Auric Lore Mage to me seems like the exact same thing, but for Entomb, arguably a weaker card, but I um, think it's going to be very cool in reanimator decks. Uh, it does care about instants and sorceries going into your graveyard, so this is going to be a really cool card for like a, a, a Kess um, Descendant Mage uh, that, that likes to cast instants and sorceries from the graveyard. Um, so maybe you can get Auric Lore Mage really big that way. Um, I guess uh, Riel cares about the number of instants and sorceries in the graveyard in Exile. Um, so if you're in like a Grixis Wizards deck and you can combo this with a Riel or something like that, that would be really cool. Uh, Inala, you would get a copy of this by by triggering Inala's trigger, and that copy actually would have haste, and you'd be able to entomb right away. So actually, just talking it through right now, Inala is the best commander for this Auric Lore Mage. Oh, it's not a wizard. It's not a wizard. That's Dang why I was it. like, wait, I'm about to Google Inala um, or, or Scryfall as it's a human warlock. I was like, wait, what am I missing about Inala? Have I been I just think everyone at Hogwarts is a wizard, like everybody else, but none of them nope. are. This one is not. And I wonder if it's because it's part of this this Auric, um, which is, I believe... Um, I have, I'm not, I'm not up on the story. So this is, you know, this is me remembering what I heard someone once talk about and that like Auric is at a different area on the plane and that the, the character Extus, um, like brings them to Strixhaven. So I, I think they're warlocks. Hmm. So I'm assuming that's why, and that they're not wizards. But, but some, I could be completely wrong. Well, like some of the schools, like the the Prismari are shamans or something like that, and not wizards. Hmm. It's it's some, not some familiar. Some people were a little upset about the creature types that some of the schools got uh, not being wizards, but um, yeah, they yeah. all they all have like a a magical caster creature type. Gotcha. So Auric Lore Mage is a very interesting card. This fits perfectly into Gerard Golgari Lich Lord. For sure. So I've talked about that before. I can throw whatever creature that I need. It's a it's a reanimator deck that also can go for commander damage just by having creatures in the graveyard. So just by virtue of throwing it in the graveyard, my commander just gets better. Um, but I like it a lot. Yeah, you throw you, you can throw th- a dredge creature in your graveyard at that I point. I could throw too. a dredge creature into my into my graveyard yeah. if I wanted to throw an instant or sorcery. I guess I could. I'm not sure if I have a way to get them back other than um, Eternal Witness. Dre- but dread return with buyback to sack three creatures. Yeah, see these possibilities. Yeah. Coil, you know, I, it's with a, it's our a good, powers combined. <laughs> with our powers combined, and I I certainly have cards in that deck that that are. Um, replaceable i like i like where the deck is at currently i've talked about that i think it's got a good win rate but i think um some cards are really just not really doing it they're just not really doing anything and it it might just be worth switching out just to try something sure sure so i like i like orik lore mage um and then i'm gonna stay in black as well but i'm gonna add a color we're gonna actually you know what it's not it's it's wither bloom (laughs) we're gonna go black we're gonna go back to black green here so um my number Three, this is my number three card or my number two card? No, this is my number two card now, Mm -hmm. Um, is Rushed Rebirth. So it's an instant for black and a green that says choose target creature. When that creature dies this turn, search your library for a creature with lesser mana value, put it onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle. Oh boy, (laughs) I love this card. Um, This is another card that I'm going to be putting into Gerard Golgari Lichlord. Um, if you know me, you know, I like my combos, um, <laughs> both in magic and the pretzels filled with cheese. Oh, Those yeah. are also delicious combos, the best combos that there are. <laughs> um, you know, also I really like the, uh, the pizza combos. Those are pretty good too. What about, what uh, about like your combo at Taco Bell or McDonald's or something like that? At Taco Bell, I get the Chalupa combo. At McDonald's, I order chicken nugs. But where do those rank on your combo meter? On my combo meter? Yeah. Taco Bell is food-wise. Well, I mean, I, I kind of figured everything was on the same combo meter. 
like there's oh, veto so number one rush rebirth like veto number one mcdonald's number two yeah rush rebirth <laughs> number three taco bell oh, number four oh gosh all right rush rebirth I don't even know if it's in the top 10, I'll be honest, but I like it a lot. I like it a lot. So um, what I like mostly is that it's choose target creature. So it doesn't have to be yours, which is even better. Like, So if you're playing it in a deck where you're already sacrificing things, wonderful. Mm-hmm. You've got the two extra mana, even better, right? So you can just make the plan come together on your own. But just the game is creatures swinging into other creatures. And in every game, I I can't. I can't think of a game where I that I have played where a creature hasn't died at all, um, where you wouldn't be able to get some sort of benefit from rushed rebirth. Right. Um, so if someone has a creature that costs, I don't know, even someone's commander that costs five CMC, right? When when a commander dies, now it hits the graveyard. So if someone's playing a commander that needs to go, and you go, oh, someone's definitely going to remove that commander because it's it's a nuisance. Um, you just hold your rushed rebirth until someone else deals with it right and then you choose a creature with lesser value lesser mana value and just put it on the battlefield tapped um in my Gerard deck you know that could be the the win or you know that could be the 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 difference between winning the game or or not you know me just being able to get a creature that can come in and then sacrifice it immediately right if i have Gerard out i can grab a creature with a huge power put it onto the battlefield and then have the three mana available to sacrifice it yeah so, um, but this is also great if you're playing a deck that wins with like Lab Maniac, right? So you are, you know, if you're in Sultai, um, or, you know, or, or more, right? Could be any color deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have a way to mill out your, your, your library and someone else's creature dies, you can go grab your Lab Maniac and win. This is instant speed. I think this card's really, really neat. And, um, even if you're not doing it for a combo, you're just getting something for lesser value that's going to be really good on your turn and get that engine going i'm here for it all right all right i got a i got a scenario here for you with this card okay all right there's uh uh you're playing sultai there's five converted mana cost creature that's dying let's say it's dying to a board wipe you target this you're gonna go grab your arkelios because the creature enters the battlefield tapped Ooh. There's, you got, it's got some synergy. Have a sad turn until it comes back to you, but it works. That's right. That's your synergy right there. I like it. I like it. Yep. All right. What, what is your number two? My number two, um, admittedly, is actually pretty boring, but at the same time, very exciting. <laughs> uh, so this is a three mana sorcery uh, called Solve the Equation. So for two and a blue, you get search your library for an instant or sorcery card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. That's it. It's a tutor. It's a tutor for an instant or sorcery that goes directly into your hand. So Coil and I had a lot of overlapping cards. And so this card here overlapped the very, the number one card we had overlapped as well. So we had, you know, we kind of, we had to, we had to mix up the the order here, but I, I love a good tutor and I love a good blue card. It's the best of both worlds. It's so I assume they wanted this to be like the, um, what is the four mana black tutor that they print in like every other core set demonic diabolic diabolic tutor tutor. they wanted this to be the the strixhaven diabolic tutor but they only care about instances of sorcery so so we'll make a three mana and we'll put it in blue um this nuts it's absolutely crazy to do this (laughs) in my opinion um I mean, Mystical Tutor only costs one and it's an instant, but it doesn't go into your hand. The card doesn't replace itself. Solve the equation, puts it directly into your hand. This is going to be played in uh, every format besides tutorless <laughs> formats. Well, maybe not formats. When I say formats, I mean commander uh, power levels. <laughs> okay, I, was like, I was like, oh, those are some big words. Um, that 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 for a three mana sorcery. I yeah, was three like, mana is, sorcery is not vintage going to play that. Prob- vintage Legacy probably not. Or, well, uh, I, I vintage does get some good some good I have mana. no idea, but yeah, I agree. Uh, admittedly boring, but solid card, and it had to make our list. Yeah, for it had sure, to make our list. So my number one. This is a you know this is a cycle. We couldn't go without talking about it, but this is the mastery cycle. So you've got devastating mastery, ingenious mastery. Baleful Mastery, Fervent Mastery, and Verdant Mastery. So these are spells that um, have a reduced cost that really give 
some sort of a benefit to your opponent. So devastating mastery is destroy all non-land permanents. But if you pay the lesser CMC for it, um, an opponent gets to choose two permanents they control and return them to their hands. Um, the ingenious mastery um, is pay X two and a blue and you can draw X cards. Um, but uh, if you pay two and a blue rather than paying for the spell's cost, um, an opponent gets to scry two, make two treasures. Um, the Baleful Mastery is exile target creature or planeswalker for four, but if you pay two, an opponent gets to draw a card. I mean, that's okay. Um, Fervent Mastery is search your library for three cards, put them into your hand, shuffle, then discard three at random. I'm not a big fan of this. <laughs> and then also, if you play the lower CMC here and you pay the alternate four, an opponent gets to do a Winds of Change on themselves. So they, gets to, they get to discard any number of cards and then draw that many. So like the downside is also feels really negative, mm -hmm. but I guess if you need potentially to get three different win cons, you, I guess go for it. And then Verdant Mastery is searching for basic lands. If you pay the lesser cost, you have to give one of your opponents a basic and then you get the rest. Um, I'm, I put this up here because I don't get to talk about new cards for Noyandar very often. Devastating Mastery and Ingenious Mastery are both going in. So reducing the cost is great. Destroying non-land permanents is exactly what Noyandar wants to do. So I have to look for specific board wipes that don't destroy lands. Mm -hmm. And paying four, I can use it politically. So I can say, uh, hey, Coil, if I use this and I, and I want to pay four, you know, will you not do something to me next turn? I mean, whatever it is. And then you can hopefully save two of your permanents. Right. Um, so I like that a lot. And then ingenious mastery is, is just stroke of genius. But if you're short on mana, you can pay the three. And in some cases it might not really matter if you give an opponent two two treasures and they scry two. And it might actually feel good if you're playing with somebody who got like mana screwed or something mm -hmm. like here's some treasure so you can try to get back into the game and then you know you made a friend so i love these devastating and ingenious mastery are absolutely going both in noyandar so if anyone opens them in foil including my awesome co-host who's not a fan of foils uh i'm gonna need both you know it um my my favorite of the cycle is actually baleful mastery uh i love the fact that I do not have to give the card draw to the person whose creature I am uh, killing with the spell or exiling with the spell. It just says an opponent draws a card, so I'll, I'll kill Andy's creature and let one of our guests draw a card or something. Is, is that how that works? I wonder how the rule is actually going to work, but we assume something probably similar to like the um, Strixhaven, the stadium, Strixhaven Stadium. Oh, maybe, yeah, it could. You know, obviously, again, the, they're not they're not fully fully defined here yet but that mm -hmm. does make sense if you can say hey Andy, i'm gonna exile your planeswalker and then so and so can draw a card yeah mm -hmm. it's great um and i do like the idea of fervent mastery being a triple in tomb at sorcery speed or a good top deck in like an anya falcon wrath or something like that oh i didn't consider that that's a good that's a yes i did not consider that being good in in a deck that has black in it <laughs> right right <laughs> that wants it in the graveyard that does that does make sense or even uh, a blue red deck that is prepared to flashback a uh past in flames yeah in fact real um you'll get to draw three cards after discarding three cards so yeah that's pretty cool super so cool, it right? has it's it has specific places for it but i think this cycle is really cool um any of them really, I guess any of them really do work. Um, and there's there's a there's a commander that cares about each of these. For sure. All right, Andy. You ready to talk about the elephant, the colorless elephant in the room? Yeah, this is this is definitely our number one. So number one, uh, to no one's surprise, is wandering archaic slash explore the vast lands. Honestly, don't like explore the vast lands. So I'm going to talk about wandering archaic. Mostly I'll go over both parts. Wandering <laughs> archaic uh, is a five converted mana cost avatar four, four that says, and it's colorless is whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay generic two. If they don't, you may copy that spell and you may choose new targets for the copy. So you just get copy everyone's spells. Every time they play them, their instants or sorceries, the, you know, the green player casts a Cultivate. They probably don't have another two mana to pay, and you're going to get a Cultivate too. And if someone tries to I love it. play a removal spell on your avatar, well, you're going to remove something of theirs too because you're going to get a copy of it most likely. Exactly. Um, and the best part is it's colorless, and it fits in every deck. So 
you can you can get the benefits of a color that is doing things that you don't normally do in 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 a green deck or in a white deck you know someone's ramping real hard and you're playing this in your mono white deck uh, uh you're gonna potentially get that ramp as well for sure um just real quick the other side explore the vast lands so three cm or three uh mana value sorcery uh, this says each player looks at the top five cards of their library, reveals a land card and or an instant or sorcery card from among them, then puts the cards they revealed this way into their hand. The rest in the bottom of their library in a random order, and each player gains three life. So it's kind of a nice group hug part of the exactly. card. Exactly, It works in a group hug deck. You can actually decide in, in, in that kind of a deck if you want to do one or the other. Right. Um, but... Honestly, the front half of this card is so good. It, it, especially it's so good. It, it, so yeah, colorless uh, cost reduction. You could probably get it down to zero really easily if you really wanted to. Um, I started. I wanted to try to brew a brutaclad deck so that I could get like twenty copies of Wandering Archaic and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> with something like that. I thought it would be really fun. Um, but yeah, like Andy said, I think I think the biggest implication is going to be putting it in a white deck so that you can actually take advantage of everyone else's um, good instants and sorceries. Whether they're I mean, card I still draw. like it in a red deck that sure. that isn't getting pure card draw either. You know, they've given red the uh, I forget the actual term for it, but it's like it's the exile the top three, and until your next turn, you can cast these. So it's it's it is card advantage, but you got to use it right away for it to really be card advantage. Sure, I like this there. Um, but even just slotting this into a deck that you're like, well, I oops, I had seven mana. I guess I'll play this and have two left over and then get every instant or sorcery my opponents play if they don't pay two. Mm-hmm. And if nothing, you're just making them pay two extra, which does feel, uh, you know, going back to that strict proctor, which is uh, ET big triggers being, you know, uh, shut off if they don't pay two. This isn't being turned off. You're just giving someone that spell and, you know, if if someone plays this against me, you know, I put I put spells in my deck that I know are pretty good, mm-hmm. and um, I might not want everyone to have because I don't want them to have them. <laughs> so this is going to make me pay two, and if I don't have removal, uh, and you know, it, it can get out of hand if you don't have removal. Yeah, for sure, and I I do really like this. I think there are some CEDH implications here uh, because this being on the battlefield during a counter war is crazy because you get a copy of every single counter spell that goes on the stack too, and then you could choose what's going to get countered and what's not going to get countered. And um, the only one that maybe it wouldn't work on, you don't get they. So if someone copies a spell, this doesn't trigger. It's only when they cast a spell. So like a Flusterstorm, you'd only get one copy of Flusterstorm, so you'd only be able to do one. Um, but so it's important to, to to note that, especially with so many cards in the deck that do care about casting and copying spells, this one doesn't care about copying spells. You no. get to, you get to copy. I guess you copy this. You copy the spell for this one. So I guess it's wrong. Yeah, but. you may you may copy it. You yeah. know, if they don't, you can copy it, but it doesn't necessarily um, require you build around anything here. No, for sure. This is just. You can jam this in any deck and go, well, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get more spells. That's that's what this is to me. A four four is fine. Four four it's is just, good. It, it, it can just sit there. And you know, it's a creature. It's it's one of the easiest things to remove. And I, uh, you know, I'll give you a go for the throat. Go for the throat is a non black creature, right? Uh yeah. I think um, so. Yeah, I mean yeah, destroy target non-artifact creature. It's, it's not it's an artifact. artifact, you know. So I can give you a copy of it, and maybe I don't have a creature out, so you can kill someone else's creature. Perfect. Um, exactly. Let's work together, Coil. <laughs> and when I kill your creature, you kill that one. That's right, because I probably have a death trigger going off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So those are the top. Those are those are our top cards that we are excited to play around with. Um, we think are going to maybe you know shake some things up. Um, I would say the set itself seems pretty balanced. I didn't see anything that's completely busted. You know, I think all these cards are perfectly fair. They're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to play around with some of them, and um, you know, we want to know what you think. But Koi, I have a question. So now that we've we've seen Strixhaven and we've mm-hmm. gone through all these, um, what college would you be part of? I think you know. I know we talked about it, but now that we've fully seen it. You know, what are you majoring in here? Is is it still possible to enroll in D- Demir? Can I still do yeah. that? <laughs> the answer is 
sure. sure. Or, yes. Either that or maybe I'll go Auric. Maybe I'll go off the grid. You go off the grid. I assume we're going if we if we come back to this plane, which I believe is Arcavios, it's not actually Strixhaven. That's okay. the school right. on the plane. I assume we'll probably see the other side of the plane with these Auric perhaps oh, next maybe, time. Maybe. You know? We're still here. The set's not even out yet, and I know I'm talking about returning, <laughs> but um, I do. I like the flavor. I, I wasn't sure what we were going to get when we came here. Um, I do like Quandrix. I will say I wasn't I wasn't sure if that was going to be my school. And personally, as, as the band kid, I know I'm Prismari, mm-hmm. but um, I like that a lot. And I think we both know that the single card that we're really most excited for are, are probably up there in the top three, right? We, we like Solve the Equation and, and Wandering Archaic. So mm-hmm. this was this mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Um, we want to know what you are all planning on on playing with. So so tweet at us at Guardian Pod and let us know what you're you know what you're brewing or send us an email. Um, and that's it for this week. So we want to thank you all for listening. If you want to contact us, you can find us online at theguardianprojectpodcast.com. You can find our social media on Twitter at GuardianPod and our gameplay videos uh, on YouTube at youtube.com slash theguardianproject. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ATFlory. And you can find me on Twitter at WormCoilEngine. And of course, we want to give a special thanks to our producer and editor, Ryan Nichols. Thank you so much. And Chris Wolf, who's been handling all of our graphic design. Um, again, thank you to the both of you and to all you listening. We will chat with you next week. We will see you then. Bye everyone. Bye-bye.